Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Horror Show, where every Friday we'll be covering another installment in a classic horror franchise. Go to weirdgeeks.com and Weird Geeks on iTunes to check out our other podcast series, social medias, Twitch streams, contact details and news on our very own feature films, albums, shorts and more that are currently in production for our publisher, We Are Tessellate. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced and no infringement is intended. Geeks! 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 Hello and welcome back to the Weird Geeks Horror Show, where every single Friday we take you through another installment in a classic horror franchise. I'm your host, Al White, and joining me throughout all of the Blair Witch films and more is Alexander Chad. Hi, I'm still here. And Heaven Lee Devera. Hello. Ooh. Wow. Is that like your voice? I tried, yeah. I like it. We are on a special episode, The Four <laughs> Corners of Fear, which we'll explain in a moment. And then we're also going to be talking about some other bits as well to kind of explain where things are at, because this film is 2013. Uh, I guess a 6.1 out of 10 on the IMDb. That's not really. There One of go. the highest rated so far. Nice. If you're new to us, hello, welcome, head on out to WeGeeks.com. WeGeeks.com, where you can patch out to all of our previous uh, podcasts. We've done about 500 series. You can also email us through there or just by typing in mail at WeGeeks or fuck you at WeGeeks.com. And you can also go on your iTunes and help us out by subscribing to us, rating us. It's the only way you can help us because we're not going to do any patrons. We don't do any banner ads and we're not going to try and sell you any <clears throat> chewing gum. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see where your brain goes in a panic. <laughs> What's your favorite flavor of chewing gum? Uh, spearmint. Oh, classic. Me too. Classic. classic. I need um, some now because I had so much garlic bread. I know. Yeah. I only have one bit of garlic bread and I need some. Yeah. Don't have any. Here we are. We had some pasta. We had some garlic bread. There's some ricola. So that help? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not the same. Not really. Not the same. Right. Four corners of fear. So, are you feeling? <laughs> what was four corners of fear, Al? So. <laughs> is it a spooky new edition? Ed Wado Sanchez along with many of the other people, uh, but mostly him. They've been trying to make a different, a new Blair Witch movie for quite some time, for many, many decades. And we'll get into a bit of that. I know we've been doing things more in chronological order. Actually, shall we still do that? Shall I tell that bit of information? Give me a second. Gonna check a little thing here. We used to edit this stuff out. No, we just leave it in. Yeah, you yeah. know what? Shall I do this? I'll do this chronological. We're gonna keep it all cron. Go on. Keep it in the cron. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck has happened to me? It's 2009, <laughs> heaven. I'm going to talk to you what? right now. What? I remember today. that. You remember 2009? I was in sixth grade. Oh, I hate it. Going so into seventh much. grade. I hate it so much. <laughs> Ed and Daniel, the original directors of the mm-hmm. Blowish Project, have been trying to get their sequel made for a decade. Long time. And they announced their intent publicly to make Blair Witch 3. It would ignore the sequel, as any sequel, any new sequel to Blair Witch should do. It would be a direct follow-up to the original. They were trying to work with Lionsgate for many, many years, but then it fell apart. And this is, honestly, this was 10 years that I'm trying to get this movie made. It just fell apart. And there, was, there was word of scheduling issues. I don't really believe that. I think mm-hmm. uh, things with Lionsgate just weren't working. We should say it fell apart. At least their version fell apart. <laughs> Something else is going to be what we're, what we're reviewing next week. So, separate story is then happening, Okay. Uh, Michael C. Williams. So he's at, where was he? He was at, um, yeah, here we go. So here's a quote from him. So here I am. 
somewhere back in 2007 or so. So this is like just before they had tried another like big push to get Blow Witch Project free made. Standing on the back of a balcony outside of a theater where I'm working with a new friend and a fellow actor, Evan Ferrant. Now this guy does a lot of mockumentary films, a lot of spoof yep. films, that stuff. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm talking BWP with Evan. You know, what was it like? How did you shoot it? Do you still talk to Josh and Heather? What the hell happened to your career, you big dummy? <laughs> These yeah, are the questions no. that Evan's asking, Mike. <laughs> Soon enough, we get to speaking about all those BWP spoofs that are out there. And I tell Evan that I've always thought it would be funniest to spoof BWP myself. Or, as it turns out, ourselves. Because luckily enough, Evan had some ideas too. So here it is, years later, for reasons no one really cares about. <laughs> so I will not get into it, except to say that everyone involved jumped in feet first with this idea. And I can't thank them all enough. I certainly hope that you all enjoy this. This one's for you. Sincerely, Mike Williams, a.k.a. Mike, a.k.a. The Map Guy, a.k.a. The Guy in the Corner. <laughs> that was an official statement he did. So this was really Mike's nice. baby and Evan. And then they get Eduardo in and they wanted to do this spoof. And as we know, Eduardo Sanchez um, and Daniel Marek had wanted to do an airplane style thing originally immediately after the Blue Witch Project. They got mm-hmm. that comedy gene in them. I'm going to talk about their careers in a second. This is going to be more Spinal Tap, really. Way more, yeah. Definitely not airplane No, not at all. This is basically... This was, so this was launched as a web series. I believe it was 13 episodes. You can watch them on YouTube for free. Not the greatest quality. I don't know why. Uh, they're so bitty, but they are. Kind of feels like they never finished it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. also, I guess it's the... I don't want to spoil it, but I guess... Well, we're going to get there. But I think it, it kind of ends in the right place. And I took those and I edited them together into like one singular thing. So it's, it's about a 51 minute. So you should get credited for that now. Really? Yeah. I'll add myself an IMDb as the editor and I'll upload it to YouTube for them. Mm-hmm. Nice. And yeah, it's a spoof comedy yep. um, and it's very weird. And I didn't let you guys know what it was. I prepped heaven that it was going to be scary because it's called the four corners of fear. I, I was for ready it. for fear. Too. <laughs> Alex fell for And the best bit for me was like waiting to see, because I knew that first episode, you actually think, oh, maybe this is real. Mm as they're trying to put together a BWP3 film. Yeah. And then there's just a couple of wrinkles where you're like, huh, is he just being funny just for this scene? Or mm-hmm. is this how it's actually going? Until the point where Tom Cruise comes in. <laughs> oh my God. And then you know. But yeah, I mean, we're going to go through it as best as we can. It's very short. It's kind of weird for us to review. So we're going to like, it'll be a quick review. Yeah. But before we get to that, there's been a big gap. The last time we were talking about it was 2000. It's now 2013. It's been 13 years. That's a whole shitty kid. Could have been born, <laughs> grown mm. up to annoy people in that amount of time. I would know nothing about this franchise. I know nothing at all, like heaven. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Alex, you know more of the actor side of it, um, and just some of the stories to do with the original, which was unearthing about this time, wasn't it? What year was that kind of coming? Yeah, 2014. So Perfect. So in the summer. Um, and I know some of the director stuff. So why don't you take us away first, bring us up to date a little bit. Yeah, so in kind of exploring... Um, this franchise, I stumbled across a really cool Q&A, which you can find on YouTube. It's hosted by Texas Frightmare Video is the channel. I guess Texas Frightmare is um, like a horror convention thing. Um, This is the convention in 2014, which marked 15 years since the Blair Witch Project. Uh, If you're listening to this now, it's 20 years. Yeah, five years ago. And it's an interview with a Q&A with Heather Donahue, Mike Williams, and Josh, Joshua Leonard. And 
Yeah, I recommend watching it if you're a Blair Witch fan and also if you want to get a bit of insight as to the experience the actors had. Um, I'll just run through a couple of sort of little notes and tidbits that I took away that I thought were uh, quite interesting. Some of you may have known that, yeah, they talked about just the filming process and and the scenes in the woods were, as we've kind of explained um, in the earlier episodes, you know, they were deprived of food. They were very sleep deprived. The directors would, you know, yeah, literally wake them up in the middle of the night and get them to film stuff. So it was an enormous challenge for them physically and mentally. And I think, you know, this was their sort of, for each of them, their first kind of um, big project, professional projects. The end scene, they reshot, which we spoke about, but reshot before they were asked. So they reshot it originally because uh, Mike tells a story of when he, so the way that it was done was that he'd walked into the basement and the producers like literally just grabbed them and then put the camera down on the, the floor. As you know, from the last scene, Mike's camera is recording the audio in that one. So when Heather runs down, we're getting Mike's audio. However, Mike said that um, on the last day of shoot, when they shot that scene, when he was grabbed by the producer and put down onto the ground, he accidentally stopped recording. So none of Heather's audio was picked up. So they had to redo that the day after. So they did a great job. They were out of the house. They were out of the house. Uh, they, they had already gone back to the hotel. Heather was like, she'd already eaten and showered. And they had to go back the next day and do it again. And, and Mike compliments her on, on her wonderful screaming because it was still really on point. Um, and they didn't know about mm-hmm. the house um, leading up to it. Josh said, I mean, Mike said, so as we again, another thing we've talked about, Mike said that, um, you know, they each of them got their canister with their own instructions and Mike's instruction was um, you're going to go upstairs, lead Heather upstairs. And once she gets, reaches you, you'll, you'll go back down or you'll go, no, it'll be, it said you'll go up. And when Heather reaches you, you'll go down. Mm -hmm. And he didn't know what it meant. He thought it was like up a hill, down a hill. Um, And said, so he said when they saw the house in the film, he has a sincere reaction where he says, Oh shit, it's a house. And he said, because that was actually him like clicking, ah, oh, that's <laughs> well, what's going to happen. Are. That's, that's what cool. the instructions were. Nice. So those are some of the nicer bits uh, about their experience. So you mentioned reshoots. Yes. And obviously there's a long interim um, until now. So presumably they're all, they've all been doing great, Alex, for these years, considering this is the second biggest grossing movie on return of all time. Yeah. So you would think so. However, they, yeah, their experience on this film Kind of varies, you know, yes, but so let, to frame, yeah, where their careers are at. Josh is still a working actor to this day, has really persevered with his career. I think he writes um, and directs as well and is, is very much a working actor. Can I reel, if you name each one, I'll just reel a couple of the things that they've done. Yeah, um, so Josh. Yeah. Josh worked a lot. CSI New York, CSI Miami, Hatchet. From Night, Hump Day, Hung, Shark Night 3D, True Detective, Bates Motel, Togetherness, Heartbeat, Startup, Scorpion, Unsane, lots of TV, yeah. lots of films. And yeah, he's a bit of a genre face, like not as big as a Robert mm-hmm. Englund, but he's someone you get in for a cameo like he was in Hatchet. For sure. Mike, on the other hand, tells a story and I'll get into this and elaborate on it a bit in a second. 
struggled much more post Blair Witch. I think in the interview he talks about basically 12 months after the release of Blair Witch, once the hype died down, he was back to moving furniture. Which is crazy. Absolutely um, crazy. Had a few small bit parts in television. I think Law and Order, I think, is one of his biggest credits. Yeah, and he was in a CSI thing as well. He did yeah. work with Ed on a film called Altered, which I'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. And Dan on a film called The Objective. And he does still technically work, but yeah, it's very sporadic. Yeah. Certainly not as successful as Josh. Yeah, I was reading that he was managing a theater company back in his hometown in New Jersey or New York. Nice. New York, maybe. Yeah, and has small bit parts. Um, he talks about in this interview, he wishes he knew how to audition after Blair Witch. He said he didn't know. He figured out how to audition once he took a step back from acting. So I guess he wasn't able to capitalize on that momentum. Uh, Heather Donahue, she had a similar experience to Mike, maybe even more so. I think the attention w- was even more on her during the hype of Blair Witch. She crazily was nominated or won a, a Razzie mm-hmm. for her performance in Blair Witch, which is insane. She talked about how casting directors were unable to detach her from her character in Blair Witch and was often questioned whether she was actually acting Mm -hmm. and would get this attitude of when she'd walk into casting rooms of, oh, here's that annoying bitch, basically, uh, which was a reflection of her character, which is really unfair. She did do a film with Freddie Prince Jr. and talks about in the interview that she got to slap him, which I found very amusing. (laughs) But yeah, her career also kind of slowly petered out. but she has found a career as a successful writer, I think. And she ended up becoming a medical marijuana grower in yeah. Northern California. Was that recently oh, wow. then? Or was that- yeah, I think that was maybe during this time. Just- and then she, yeah, she wrote a book about it in a sort of like a, an autobiographical book called Grow Girl about her transition <laughs> from, from acting to, to growing <laughs> weed. So, yeah, she had, she's had like a yeah, small, small roles in some episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, an alien TV show called Taken in 2002. She stopped acting in 2008 yeah. uh, completely. And then she just returned for an upcoming feature called Go West! Um, cool. Exclamation mark. Yeah, it'd be great to see them yeah. and stuff again. But yeah, she's definitely uh, dropped off. So like the crazy thing out of this interview that I got from her and particularly Mike, and, and it was Mike that actually said this, was that the experience of Blair Witch for him is one of the most traumatic moments in his life because they all literally came from obscurity like straight out of school thrust into this tiny little movie which they all thought was going to be shit even after they'd seen as they were doing it they were unsure about what it was going to be like when they saw the first screening they thought it was really bad and mike said his his level of measuring the success of this was it's got into Sundance. Great. Like, what a success that is. I mean, that is. That's an insane that is a huge, success. And he, an insane success. You're right. But then this thing obviously blew up overnight. And he said that they obviously initially had to hide out for a while because the producers wanted to really play their thing that they were dead. Did it say where they hid? I've been wondering. No, they were just asked to, like, lay low. Oh, like, just Don't go low. out. Stay at home. And then once it was all, all came out, then they were like being whisked around to different interviews and talk shows and around the world. And he said that, you know, at some points they had to drive in a decoy limo while another one went. Like it was insane fame. And literally overnight, once the hype died down, it was all gone. And Mike talks about how 
yeah, within 12 months or whatever, he was back to to moving furniture. And he tells a story of like, you know, he'd be, he'd have a heavy giant box on his back going upstairs and the person he was moving for would be like, hey, I, I recognize you. You're like, you're that guy. And just the kind of reflection he had to have to kind of process all of that and what had happened and the fact that his career had basically died. Mm-hmm. Heather, she had other reasons to kind of feel bitter. Um, she told stories about, again, the level of fame and recognition that instantly came with that, but how she felt that as the film became more successful, she felt there was a real attitude towards uh, from the production team towards the actors of, fuck you, this has nothing to do with you. And that was her. her so when we say that, she's saying, and just to be specific, she's saying about producers, yeah? She said the production team. The production team. Yeah. Okay. Which we're presuming is the yeah. Hacks and Five. Yeah. Because they are the production team. Yeah. So Which, she felt, yeah. So just to be clear, and obviously they might not go into the exact specifics with it for everyone, but it sounds like they're pretty blunt in this interview. Yeah. These, for a film that made $240 million and yeah. you got people like back, you know, lugging furniture around, they got nothing. They got nothing. So another story Heather tells is that when the film broke $100 million, each of the actors were sent a fruit basket. So yeah, it was, and then Heather also talks about uh, at the time- she either she either called herself this or she, someone labeled her this, but she was like the most famous poor person in the world. Yeah, and I think and Josh told a story where he said he oh, he had like some small time job I forgot what it was, and he did his last shift three days before he was on the Jay Leno show on the Tonight Show. So you know they they all have different levels. Like when you watch the interview, you can sort of see that. Heather has clearly come to terms with it, but still feels fucked over. Mike, it feels like, yes, this was a a traumatic experience for him, but he's also reached a place of acceptance and acceptance of the impact that this film has had on his life, like the positive impact it's had. And Josh is, is, I think, very neutral. I think he, you know, he... And and the other two actors really also commend him a lot for, for fighting and persevering persevering with his career and he he even says like i i got my foot in the door and i fought to keep my keep it in the door but he also comes across as quite neutral of like okay these were the things that were shit but he talks about the experience being like a punk rock experience and the thrill of collaborating and making something together and going out and doing it and just trusting in the process and believing in the project um and how much of a thrill that was but but still kind of grasping the the sense of like well they didn't really get anything out of it so it's a really interesting interview those those were the kind of main main beats that i took out of it i definitely recommend watching it it's just some really interesting insight and to see the kind of perspectives and where the, the journey that it's taken them because each of them have different kind of experience with that and it's very interesting one another interesting little side note was that the woman that played mary brown that was her actual trailer and she was a real person so they just gave us some information to kind of to say, but she was like, yeah. So the story basically. with her was that she was actually a film student at Montgomery college oh, and wow. she was in her seventies. Oh, wow. And she had emailed the producers to see if she could be a PA on the film, huh. but then they ended up liking her. And so, and then the actors didn't know that she was a real person. Her, her real name's not Mary Brown. But they didn't know she was a real person and they didn't know that that trailer was her real house. 
And Josh tells a story where he's like, yeah, it was like, so there was something on her bed. And he was like, it wasn't alive. And that's all he says. He's like, there was what? something on her bed. What? And Heather's like, yeah, you know, I didn't know she was real. I thought it was all set up. And I was in her trailer, like filming stuff. And there's just like pills cabinets and, and, you know, total invasion of privacy. Wow. Um, and, and they're like, yeah, she was as quirky and as weird as she comes across. So that was a cool little story, but I definitely recommend to any of our listeners, check it out. It's on Texas Frightmare um, video on YouTube. But yeah, it is a little, a little sad to hear um, with how big the film became, how, how the actors weren't financially compensated in any way um, or maybe acknowledged for their contribution and, and also the effect it had on them um, in their careers. Well, I mean, I, I mean, here's the thing. It's difficult to talk about all the information without the directors and the production team getting to speak about stuff. For sure. There's a lot more complicated stuff that goes on behind closed doors than people would think, but it does seem hard to think, okay, what's the reason that this was never figured out like, yeah. and, and made right? Like, it seems insane even by doing the math from people getting a bad cut of distribution prices and mm-hmm. then, like, you know, splitting things amongst five people and then hidden costs and hidden things and blah, blah, blah. There's no reason why you couldn't just give them a million each or something, you know? Oh, and that was the other thing. Um, So they asked what their regrets were. I can't remember what Josh and Mike said specifically. I don't think they specifically had like big regrets about it. But Heather's was allowing the use of her real name. Mm. You know, with Josh and Mike, it was very much, it's always just Josh and Mike. Yeah. Heather Donahue is everywhere and has since been used in a lot of the expanded universe books and all of that stuff. Like and she should get money for all and that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and I don't think she mm-hmm. sees a cent for any of that. No, I mean, honestly, it's disgusting. Like, it really is. And it makes it very difficult moving forward because I like, I watch the films of Ed and Dan and I like mm-hmm. some of them. I'll talk about that in a second. And what we're talking about today, you might ask why are we getting to this now and not in the first Blair Witch? Um, but it's partly because that's going to tie into this. It's going to tie into the relationships that we're about to see in Four Corners of Fear. And I don't know. Like, I, I'm really intrigued then with some of this setup. Because, yeah, regardless of anything else, again, like we were talking about before but, uh, off Mike, but like Mike then got to work with, uh, with not Dan, with, no, yeah, with Dan at once and Ed once after this, um, which he was always in the interviews I read very appreciative of. It's like, they're very kind to of me. They let me work with them again. I got paid, you know, decent, better on those mm-hmm. projects, obviously, and stuff like that. But it's just like, why wouldn't you? How could you work with people if they really fucked you over that bad? Mm-hmm. And that's really like, that's getting fucked over because they filmed the footage as well as the only people, the only actors in this film. So, I mean, I think f- just before we go forward, we have to like state this kind of, if there isn't a weird caveat, if the directors really did make that money and blah, 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 whoever's yeah. responsible for not letting these actors get the money they deserve, it, I think that's disgraceful. Like, it really yeah. I think that's terrible. And the fact that people don't know this properly for one of the biggest, most well-known films in the world, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Yeah. Like, people need to know that these actors didn't get what they deserve for the input that they put. If we can then push that aside for a second and just look at it blankly, it is a difficult thing because, yeah, it's a found footage film. They're brand new out of college. If they won and they're already in the industry and it was a regular acting gig then you are showing things and dealing with things in a way that, you know, it's very difficult to know, can I use, sure, you were fantastic at being natural, but that's a very particular thing. Again, I thought it was real the first time I saw it. Lots of people did. That kind of means they're incredible actors in one format. It doesn't necessarily mean they can take lines, learn Mm -hmm, them right, do them in a camera, you Mm -hmm. know, setup. Yeah. Um, So it does make it 
sure complicated i think for future employers to like know and then but people like thinking that she's just that character that's just fucking that's just how idiotic this yeah. industry yeah. is people are like no she's acting <laughs> so it just it honestly breaks my heart but then moving forward with it, it's like yeah they should have had a good agent they should have had a good manager and they should have been able to make millions just over to 12 years of fame yeah. from something like this make sure yeah you're signed then into this make sure you do this for then tv presentations make sure you put out a book and maybe some stuff they don't want to do that's disgusting yeah yeah but just so at least they're like well we got fucked over let's you know do this and also probably i mean i don't know what they signed but you could probably fight that like if they had had the resources they probably could afford that early on that's probably no, something a hard spot to be in especially being like fresh out of college or fresh out of school and you know to have this big opportunity to do like a feature film mm-hmm. you no matter how small like this still you know they're about to get paid what they thought was probably money enough for a gig and I'm sure none of them knew like what they were signing. Like they were just like, "All right, let's just sign yeah, it." Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, they left them with no resources and no options. Like they had a job and had to take it. But these are the things. Like I don't care what someone signs. It's like if you end up making, because yeah, Ed and Dan didn't know how much they're gonna make make with this at all. They no nobody had any idea what they were really gonna end up with. Yeah. But then you figure it out at the end. You're like, "Oh fuck, this went really well. All right, we need yeah. to change these contracts because this isn't right." Yeah, um, that's what you, yeah, you would yeah. think. Especially like on a project that would have been so collaborative. Yeah. So Heather's very much distanced herself from the creators since this point, hasn't she? Yeah, it seems that way. Because it seems in that, those interviews that, you know, that she, yeah, I don't think she has much contact with them. And they were saying as a group, the three actors hadn't seen each other much over the years. And this was like one of the first sort of... Um, conventions where they had got together in a while but yeah it's such a cool interview it's it's really cool and you know overall they you know there are some kind of issues that they have had to sort of come to terms with but at the same time it's still um they're still in really good spirits yeah about their sharing their experience and it's um it's really cool it's really cool to see okay so what had the directors been doing in this interim till 2013? So you got Daniel Marek. He did a film called The Strand uh, in 2007. So it took them a while, like before he returned to shooting anything. Let me just check. He didn't do anything else, did he, between then? No, The Strand was the next film he did. So nearly 10 years later before he returns to directing. And the film The Strand, because he's an LA guy now, was about the crazy characters living on Venice Beach, just down the road from where we are now. Oh, wow. Um, and I haven't seen that one. That one's actually pretty hard to get hold of. And obviously not a genre film. Then he went back into genre. And in 2007, the same year, he did a film called Believers, which is about, it's also an LA kind of based thing. It's like out in Joshua Tree, there's that, fuck, I've forgotten what it's called. There's that weird dome where sound travels in a weird way. You know, you can go inside it right. and listen to stuff. And it's all very sort of not religious, but it's sort of, you know. mm-hmm. and he did a sort of cult sect film called Believers. I've seen that. I don't like it. I know some people who like that movie, but I think it's bad, to be honest. Um, the year after that, 2008, he did a film called Solstice. This is actually a remake of, I think it's a Swedish or Norwegian film, which I did quite enjoy the original when it came out. And this one's definitely the one that's got the most production value behind it. And it's got a lot of faces that you'd know. There's about like four or five really identifiable teen actors and then um, some adults as well. It's very pg like there's very like nothing spooky really going on in it it's kind of almost lifetimey but it 
it's the one he's done. It feels the most like a movie, mm-hmm. but it also feels the most like The Ring meets Scream, you know, but right. without any of the scares sort of yeah. thing. It's very much that kind of thing. So I kind of like it, but I totally get why some people that's their least favorite. <laughs> but they're two things that I'm kind of into. And then, yeah, he did The Objective in 2008. Now, this is, it's kind of refreshing how it looks. And I want to like this one. I've seen it twice now and I want to like it more each time, but I just don't. It's a military film based in Afghanistan, and it's got some sort of Bermuda Triangle of this area in Afghanistan and the deserts. There's some really nice photography just of the deserts and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they shot on location or not, but it looks very unique. But then, and then there's some spookies and some sci-fi sort of UFO stuff, and it's fine, I guess, but it, it doesn't do much for me. Um, he has done a film called Under the Bed, but this is a TV movie. I haven't seen this yet. Apparently it came out in 2017. Inspired by true events in which a stalker took a residence underneath the bed of his female target. No. Oh, oh my God. Now, Alex, you might remember that when we talked about Wreck, I said at the end of that, one of the directors went off and did this film called... Fuck, what was that one called? Oh, God damn it. I've forgotten the word now. Uh, but he went and did a film with the exact, based off of the exact same true story. Um, right. But did his own thing with it. And I said it was the best thing that either of the Wreck directors had ever directed, including the Wreck films. How did she not know there was someone living under her bed? Well, I haven't seen this version, but you should totally watch no. Sleep Tight, no. uh, which is a 2011 film from um, Juan, uh, the Wreck guy. That's a fantastic version of it. And this seems to be a very similar, uh, similar film, but I haven't seen it yet. Absolutely so that one does interest not. me because that story interested me a lot. So that's Daniel. Now, Eduardo Sanchez I don't know why. He was always the one for me that I was more interested in. Right. Um, I think he just looked a bit more like Robert Rodriguez, you know. <laughs> he was a bit cooler. <laughs> he did, in 2006, so about the same time, he also took nearly 10 years off. He did a film called Altered. I like this movie. This is one of the few ones that either director has done that I would recommend seeing. It's got a couple of faces you might know. It's a very simple premise. It's about these guys, this group of men who had something happen to them 15 years prior, and then the same group of men. I mean, it's kind of right from the beginning, so I could spoil it a little bit, I guess. But it's to do with an alien abduction. But they capture the alien and then bring it to this warehouse to essentially interrogate it and try and figure out what the fuck happened to them 15 years prior. And the whole film's this kind of weird alien version of Reservoir Dogs, I guess. It's certainly not up to the level of Reservoir Dogs, but it's actually pretty cool. There's some nice ideas in that. It's one of those sort of underfunded, no one... Quite has, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no one quite has the talent that you might think. You know, it's not quite up to the high levels, but it's actually really interesting and kind of fun. Then he did. Sorry. Then he did Seventh Moon in two thousand and eight. Uh, this one's based in Thailand or where is it? No, China. Sorry. Uh, this is very much just a ghost film. Only sadly, it's starring Amy Smart, um, and I hate Amy Smart. Do you know who she is? Yep. No, I don't. Uh, yeah. From Just Friends and The Butterfly Effect and Road Trip. And she's really bad in this. Uh, she doesn't do good with the spookies. It's not great. There's some pretty poor. But again, like it has a nice flavor to it because mm-hmm. the Chinese kind of like setting is kind of interesting, but it's not great. Then what did he do? Then he did Para Abnormal, which I haven't been able to see. That was a straight to video thing. Then he did from called Lovely Molly. I've only seen this one once and it was a while ago, so I don't remember all the details. It does have a few. It was sold on from the guy who created the genre, essentially comes the next step in fear of found footage because there's a few bits where the character picks up a camera and you get some found footage stuff in there. But it's very much a typical haunted house kind of spooky kind of film. 
it's not great. It's not terrible. It's just mediocre, basically. Thanks, Eduardo. Mm. Then he did a segment. So we're getting right up to now, 2013. He did a segment of VHS 2. I've heard about the VHS films. So there's three VHS films, VHS, VHS 2, and then VHS Viral. They're a collection of, um, you know, small, small short films by horror directors. And then they're sandwiched, you know, um, as I always forget what you call those. Anthology. Thank you. Anthology films. Mm. I'm not a big fan of anthology films, uh, but I went to these quite excited because of some of the names behind some of the films involved and found footage I did. They're all found footage inside the VHS. I like some from each of them. And I do think they're all worthwhile watching. If you really hate one, it's going to be over pretty soon. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, he did one in this to two with this biker, um, not not biker biker, like literally a normal bicycle, like a oh, like a mountain cyclist. biker. Yeah, cyclist. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and he's going through the woods when he runs into a zombie that bites him, and he's got a GoPro on his head. So then you're seeing it from a perspective, first person perspective of someone turning into a zombie in the woods and then biting someone else. And then it becomes this whole thing. That's kind of cool. It's funny. It's fun. um, It's pretty cool. And yeah, it's again, found footage in the woods. So it's like a weird spin on things. And we're going to be talking about that next week because VHS 2 is a potential reason for why we have Blair Witch in 2016. But we will get there when we get ready. Heaven's ready. But right now, that's 2013, and what that brings us to... What did he release now? Is what he did. Four Corners of Fear. So again, they've been trying to make the Blair Witch. It wasn't happening. He just uh, did his found footage for VHS 2. It's like, you know what? Let's just fucking do it. Yeah. Um, there's not much information about this out there at all. <laughs> it's, like, it's not hard to find, but it's hard to find that it exists. BW3. BW3. <laughs> he manages to get back. Well, so directed by Eduardo Sanchez, written by Michael C. Williams, Evan Ferrant, Edward Sanchez, Dan Karcher, who's the website producer on many of their films, including Blair Witch, and Joshua Leonard, DP'd by Dan Karcher and Eduardo Sanchez. Dan Karcher is very funny in this. He is. <laughs> Starring Eduardo Sanchez as himself. Michael C. Williams as himself. himself. Joshua Leonard as himself. Dan Karcher as Rustin Parr himself. Greg <laughs> Hale as. Rest in par. Himself. Daniel Murdoch as... Eduardo Sanchez. Eh, himself. Evan Front as... Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, <laughs> baby. <laughs> With a budget of who really knows. Who knows. Wow. Yeah, so this is from that letter that was sent out. This is really Mike's thing. And it exists. It <laughs> That's exists. basically it. 13 episodes. I cut them down. If you want a copy, email us. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll send it to you. Uh, it's free anyway, so I'm not breaking any laws, I don't believe. No, you just spliced it together. Just did some mm-hmm. effort. Hacks and Films. They're There's back. The They're back. Again, I don't know how we're going to talk through this. I just made some rough notes. Let's see. News footage we get. These guys don't know they're in for a spoof yet. It says 18 years later and more footage was found. I hear from Alex. Exclamation of joy. Oh, yeah. I was like, no way. Yes. They okay. had a I was really- like, oh, you have, you have <laughs> delivered. You have delivered. They have a really loud sound effect too. When like the the title came up, that did that did make me jump. Oh, and because I prepped you, you were ready for the spookies. Yeah, I was ready for fear. Four corners of it. So we start with the Sanchez introducing us for BD, uh, BW3, uh, and he says about six months ago the studio called us in the original five from Hackson, and they want to make a new movie. So when he's talking about a studio, he's not talking about artists and he's talking about the hacks and the studio, I guess, yeah. which he's probably not involved with much anymore. And also, yeah, none of this is true. Uh, we get Mike and Josh and Ed meeting up. 
And again, I was gauging you guys to see if you could tell yet that this is all fake. But it feels kind of real, like those first yeah, episode yeah, or two. Yeah, sure. First sort of six minutes. Um, and then he's saying like how, yeah, we called Josh, we called like Mike. And Heather's agent <laughs> kind of looks off camera. And this is a problem. It's like, I find this, a lot of this I think is really funny. Some of it doesn't work. Whether or not it can last for 51 minutes, don't know. Um, but with the information you've given me, Alex, it makes it difficult because I'm like, well, yeah, at this point I wasn't, I, I wasn't sure it was a spoof yet. And when he said the agent thing, I think I leaned over to you and I was like, yeah, that really makes sense with the interview that I watched. Right? <laughs> but it makes sense the other way as well. Just yeah. that's how they interpret it. But it's like, but did you fuck her over? But then didn't you also fuck Mike and Josh over? And then they seem to be good buddies with you to do this. It's yeah. This is a fascinating piece. Honestly, I think this is quite weird and unique have the original creators of something so big come back and do something under the radar for web and potentially when yeah they all had fallen out or yeah, yeah. had reasons to mm-hmm. lots of star wars stuff in this room love it yeah yeah star wars lego yoda he does a play he says i guarantee to fans that we won't sell out or do anything cheesy and then i've mostly just written out little lines because i don't mm-hmm. know how to review this uh he said mike's like a brother to me just is a friend <laughs> and then he's promising them that Heather is coming but there's something about Josh and this is where I really get oh I don't know if this is okay because you didn't get her permission to do this I'm sure mm. do you think she's even seen it she must have out of curiosity or I don't know or maybe they did maybe like Josh maybe not Ed but maybe Josh or Mike still knows was like hey do you mind if we just like throw in a joke about this and she is so past it now she's like yeah whatever who cares? yeah I mean it could have mm. been a thing where she was actually contacted and she's like no I don't want to do it yeah I don't want to turn up but you can totally yeah. joke about it if you want to because why not at this stage? Yeah, yeah. Who knows? It's hard without knowing more information. Um, I do love this sentence, though, where he's, like, explaining how they're going to do it. And he's like, and, you know, we've got this woods behind the back of my house. So. Yeah. <laughs> Which is legitimately where they spend the rest of the film, yeah. just in yeah. the back of his house. But, yeah, there's this whole rumor of Josh and Heather having a romance. Josh is saying Heather and I shared a bond, yes. And since that time, the bond has been decimated. <laughs> Fucked. He's really good. He's so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's moments when Mike's really great in this with his sort of self-deprecation and childlike enthusiasm, but Josh yeah. is just like so, just like sure, you know, I'm happy to do this. I'm not going to be an asshole about it, but also what the fuck? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really great. And then when he's explaining about how to get, I think it's a joke. It gets a bit old by the end of this, but at the beginning, it's really great. What he's explaining about the four corners, the four corners. Yeah, he's like the first film was the first corner, second movie, closet of fear. Yeah, it's more of a closet. <laughs> <laughs> And then they're all like one by one going, yeah, the sequel had nothing to do with us. Yeah. <laughs> nothing to do with us. They pretend there's some original stick men remaining. Is this meant to feel like he's actually still got them and then he's hung them up? Or they're meant to still be in these woods? Because they're not at the original woods. So I guess he's meant to still yeah, have them. Yeah, I think at first I thought they had gone back. But then, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it was that he still he had, had them. in them. storage and hung them. Still got yeah. the Chewbacca, Mr. Fuzzy, as he yeah. calls him. And then they said they're going to make the film for $30,000. They did it before, so why not do it again? <laughs> make another 240 mil. <laughs> Uh, and then Mike says, which I thought was funny, and then you told me the, the truth, maybe not at this point, but at least for part of his life. He said, yeah, I've just been mostly moving furniture for the last 10 years. Yeah. And thought how sad my life was. And <laughs> thought, why not do this? Um, he said the studio, it's like Ed wanted me first, but his studio was number 43 in the list of actors who wanted to play me. <laughs> wow. So a thing actually, which just reminded me. So yeah, when he said that, I leaned over to you and was like, that he was actually doing that. But another thing I just thought of that Mike talks about was, um, oh, I forgot how he put it, but he said that that for a long time, every day, like in the shower, he would like think 
about the Blair Witch Project oh, and no. what it did to his life. I can't, honestly, I can't imagine. And like, yeah, like it was like this journey of like ten years to come to a sort of an acceptance. Because this thing, people don't appreciate. People try so hard to get somewhere. That's much better because you're striving for something. Mm-hmm. When you get there. And then more likely for the majority of people to get there, you're going to have something taken away from you. Yeah. And again, it doesn't, you're just taking away stupid stuff. But like that's like that feeling, I can't even, yeah. I can't imagine how that's a feel. And at that level that they had overnight, mm-hmm. when also you know what I did isn't necessarily applicable to other jobs necessarily. Yeah. It'll be so unique and really horrible. And, my heart, and it makes me so happy to see them doing this because like, they're able to make fun of themselves yeah, and yeah. enjoy it. And hopefully this was a cathartic thing for them at this mm-hmm. point. Mm hmm. And then we introduced Tom Cruise playing oh, Dr. Sorowski. So good. <laughs> Which I fucking love all the way through this. They keep going, Doctor, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so wild. It is so wild. He's this so is, good as Tom Cruise, too. I, honestly, when I first watched this, I was like, this is stupid. He's so young. They fucked all this. But his voice is so good. Yeah. And his mannerisms, particularly when it is bitty and fuzzy, it looks yeah. so great. And he does the like classic Tom Cruise big laugh kind yeah. of thing. Like lean back, yeah. the big smile. Ugh, I love it. Ned's like, yeah, we're not even telling the actors the story. But Tom has the idea to put everyone in a corner. So there's the four corners of fear. And then Mikey's bonding with him in this kind of like desperate <laughs> way. Or Josh is nonplussed. And then they do that first scene that you see them shooting and Mike's like, why is Josh speaking with a Dax? And it's like, because his teeth came out. His teeth came out. So he's kind of like, you don't remember the story. <laughs> and then we get Dan. Uh, what's his second name? Karcher. Yeah. Mer- Merrick. Yeah. There's two, isn't it? Yeah, know? it's not Merrick who's with him though. Dan's, no. Yeah, Dan Merrick's later, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. This is Dan. Which confused me to begin with because I don't know what Dan looks like that much. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's fucking great. And he says, like, I'm here to keep the integrity of the franchise, make sure the art for how we originally did it. <laughs> and then and then they're like, yeah, don't worry, we're just ADR that Heather was a Blair Witch, and they're all beating up the Witch. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, now I'm like, I hope Heather was cool with this. Yeah, yeah. Because that's otherwise pretty terrible. I mean, another thing for her in this whole project is she's the only woman. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. This that, is, feels like a lot of dudes in this film. Yeah, and you know, that... I mean, she does confirm the knife story um, in that interview that she did take a knife mm-hmm. uh, onto the shoot because she yeah. was like, I'm with working with two dudes and I've got a production group, uh, production team, all men. Like, I don't know any of these guys and I'm going into the woods for eight days. Yeah. Understandable. Um, <laughs> absolutely. So then I can also imagine... You know, in an environment like that, you know, guys can get very comfortable around each other and it can become a little bit bro-y. And, no, definitely. Uh, I at that age. Yeah. It could have been, it would have been a, a challenge for sure. Yeah. Well, imagine that, but with Tom Cruise instead of Heather. <laughs> He's out in the woods with his toilet paper doing some meditation. Yeah, that's right. Mike's trying to copy him. And what, probably my favorite bit in the whole thing is Tom Cruise having a piggyback on my... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my God. I can love it. Just the look of fear in his face. He's getting carried through the woods. And then they find Greg Hale on the street. And it's bits of this where I'm like, it feels real, but then it's obviously not in yeah. other bits. So I was like, did they start it real maybe and then push him into it? Because when they first ambush him, it does feel really awkward. And they ask him why he won't return their calls. And then they paint this real bad blood between Ed and the other producers from the, from the original film, which I don't think true but it's really yeah. hard to know there's just not enough information about these people because mm-hmm. they don't do big enough films yeah and greg says ed has absolutely no idea what he's doing 
He's like not getting proper equipment, doesn't know how to edit shit. Anything good about the first film has nothing to do with him. That's the guy with the beard, right? Yeah, 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 in the office. Um, and then I really, I do love Ed in this. I think Ed does a great job with himself as well. He's just like, I haven't really been doing much. I thought it'd be fun. Maybe we get some good back end. And he's like, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and then you cut to his daughter, who's like, what, six or something? Yeah, like five or yeah, six. He's a production assistant for $1. <laughs> <laughs> How much is he paying you? Um, $1. <laughs> and then, oh, and this is 100% because they have this whole bit where they're like having lunch. And Josh is like, are we in character? Are we just having lunch? Like, no, no, you just have lunch. We're just filming it, you know, to film it. And then the dude playing Tom Cruise, like, goes to the waitress, do you want my autograph? And you can just, like, you don't see her on screen, but you just see him, like, pretending to be Tom Cruise. <laughs> Fucking great. Ed and Tom are both saying the other one called the other one. And then Tom says he's puts Eduardo up there with Kubrick. He <laughs> <laughs> says Kubrick, and then he says, and, um, fucking Brian Singer. Which oh. now I think is less appropriate than yeah. it was back then. But funnier in a different way. <laughs> and there's a great scene where they're all hiding in a tent and then there's stickmen shadows. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then Tom Cruise, as they break through, Tom Cruise is like, it's only sticks, guys. We could break them. We could break them. Yeah. He's, like, he's like, keep breaking them. <laughs> and then you cut to Josh. He's saying that when he did First Blow Witch, he was on like speedball and cocaine, heroin. A different stage of his spiritual journey <laughs> and then he's like and to address the original fans it's like i don't really respect you because it wasn't a good film but all right you do you man um we're near the end already you're so good though and then we have this amazing scene and i do think it's amazing with the ladder <laughs> oh yeah this bit's good so they tell him, basically, they tell Josh to climb a ladder. Well, it's maybe Tom Cruise originally was like, it's too yeah. damp. So Josh is like, well, I'll climb the tree for you, but these are too high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then they say, use the ladder and we'll CGI out the ladder. But just imagine you're climbing big branches. Yeah. Um, and then Dan's holding on the bottom, like, don't worry, we'll CGI at him as well. It's <laughs> <laughs> so mimes climbing up the tree. Yeah. Yeah. Gets up to the top, yells out, Hello. <laughs> Um, and then uh, Ed tells him to be quiet because the neighbors will hear him. So he goes, okay, I'll do it softer. And we'll, uh, in post in ADR, we'll, we'll put in the proper yells. <laughs> so then he's up on top of the tree going, hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> Help. Really so great. quiet. And then he cuts his weird succession of Josh just gradually calling each of them bad actors. Oh, that bad actor, good. Mike, mm. bad actor, Ed, a bad director. Yeah. But in this sort of weirdly polite way. Like, Cause he, I don't, does he say, I don't not know a, if he says bad. No, he says, he's not a great Yeah, he's actor. not a great actor. Ed is not a great actress. Yeah. Ed's not a great director. The first film wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then he just cut hard cut for no reason with no context to Tom Cruise naked in a ball on the ground. <laughs> Shivering, yeah. Shivering with these glasses still on, sunglasses. <laughs> it looked like he was like in the ruins of what something like similar to the Rustin Parr's house. Probably was. Probably was. I hope so. And then yeah. this fucking strange bit was suddenly they're like they're digging dance digging trenches. Yeah, and they're like, "Why are you?" But he says trenches? it's for Tom Cruise, right? He said, "Yeah, Tom Cruise, like, it's in my contract. Don't worry about it." And later on, they don't come back to it, but it's for his height. But it's just such a side <laughs> thing. <laughs> It's so good. That's honestly such a great little detail. 
And then there's a whole bit with the fighting about the budget. Kind of funny. Actually, they have like, the, well, they change it a lot because they make it up clearly. But yeah. when you have over 30 million and all of it's going to Tom Cruise other than the 25,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Josh is getting paid 500. Then. Mike's getting paid 500. But, and then Josh says yeah, he's getting paid 1,000. He's like, wait, what? Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got Tom Cruise wiping his butt with a leaf. And I'm screaming after Josh because he's moving too quickly. He's like, Josh, you're moving too quickly. It's dark and I've got sunglasses. <laughs> um, and then we accidentally reveal that uh, Ed wants to make a sex zombie movie. Uh, That's they right. breeze over. And then you get to the climax of the film where the, Ed's there whispering with Dan. And then they need to figure out how the alien fits into the Blair Witch mythology. Because if you think about it, the Blair Witch could be an alien. So, yeah, Ed wanted an alien and Dan... The other Dan, Dan the other Marek. Da- yeah, yeah, Dan Marek wanted a robot. <laughs> Which is why Ed ended up doing it and that Dan oh. didn't. <laughs> and maybe, yeah, one of my other favourite bits is, like, Mike at near the end where you see sort of, like, the alien comes out and it's just a dude in a rubber suit and it's this mm-hmm. fucking obviously terrible scene. Broad daylight. <laughs> Broad daylight. And then Mike just turns the camera with big smile like, this is the best... <laughs> This is value. the fourth corner. <laughs> but I don't work often, but this is the best thing I've ever seen on a film set. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so then you get to, after the alien is introduced, you get the last day when they're shooting the finale of the film. Uh, you get, I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> it's... You get them trying to shoot the finale while Ed needs to take a shit because he got <laughs> diarrhea and he's from sh- the same thing that tom ate or something josh is trying to like walk there's almost like a coup to begin with but josh is trying to quit and then mike is going to and dan wants to but then mike changes minds at the last second because he just wants a career with tom basically he needs the work mm-hmm. and then Sad, but true. tom sort of takes over you get like the head the tete-a-tete moment mm-hmm. <laughs> fantastic and ed's not allowed to turn around because then you can see his suit doesn't fit all the way in the back yeah. <laughs> And then they just take a photo, and that's it. <laughs> it's pretty good. And the post yeah. credits is then on the toilet, mm-hmm. taking said poop. People got carried out of the theaters of Blair Witch in ambulances <laughs> from having panic attacks. They thought they're watching a snuff film, and now, wow, it's it's really now been- this. Now, now this, yeah, a this man is... that almost shat himself in an alien. A man that almost shat himself, and in... he did. I thought he was going to also. Imagine this took suit. like it was just like, hey guys, come over to my house for the weekend. We'll do a long weekend. Yeah. We'll just do it in my backyard. Done. Just maybe, yeah. maybe two nights, three nights max. Yeah, you're done. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the four corners of fear. Yeah. Weirdest episode we've ever recorded. Yeah, nice and short. Um, um, watch it. Uh, so, all right, I'm going to go first for once, and then you guys can talk about it. It's a weird thing to do in a review. I genuinely think it's almost brilliant. It's not quite there. Yeah. Um, they're not quite Spinal Tap brilliant or Best in Show brilliant or anything like that. But I th- and so like if you don't care about Blow Witch, why are you listening to this podcast? Um, but if you don't care about Blow Witch, this isn't going to win you over to anything. I don't yeah. think it's going to be that funny. But if you're a Blair Witch fan and you really like, you know Josh, you know Mike, you know some of his history as well. I think yeah. it's extra funny once you know and sad once you know some of the truth of what they're mm-hmm. talking about. I do think it's like, it's a really solid little thing. I think it's a bit too long. It should be maybe half an hour rather than 50 minutes or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But when the, when the highs really hit, it's really good. And the Tom Cruise thing should not work, but it really kind of It gets does. better as it goes on. The Tom Cruise thing is weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's weird. 
So I really like it. I really do. <laughs> and it's a perfect palette cleanser for me after Book of Shadows before next week's Blair Witch, which is why we dedicated a week to this. I think that's a fair way to describe it, a palette cleanser from, from coming off the back of Blair Witch too. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Al. I think if you have very little investment in Blair Witch, you know, like if, you, if you've just seen the first movie and don't really care about the, the rest of the stuff, yeah, this isn't going to be for you. But if you do care a bit about the... The way that they made the original, the kind of backstory, the, 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 what the actors and the producers have done since then, then I think you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's, it's um, by any means perfect uh, as a comedy. I think, you know, it is, it is very sort of inside jokey for like real Blair Witch fans. So I think that's kind of how you have to approach it. But yeah, having seen that interview, you know, I can, it, yes, it is, it is sad and you, clearly there is, but you can certainly see that, that Mike and Josh, having watched this and watched that, that Q&A, that I think they've maybe, there's a bit more maybe acceptance and sort of forgiveness and sort of self-deprecation as far as the journey that they've been on and what this journey has provided and, yeah, it's it's a weird little thing to watch. It's just so bizarre, but yeah, there are some funny moments. And yeah, the the guy that is Tom Cruise, which just seems so odd at the start, kind mm-hmm. of wins you over by the end. Yeah. It's so weird. You really believe I'm, it's a Tom Cruise. I really want Tom Cruise to watch this and just yeah. see his face as he watches it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's sort of how I feel. Evan. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, it was definitely the palate cleanser from all the last documentaries and films we've watched. Like Alex and Al both said, definitely if you're a real fan, not real fan, if you're, if you're a, a deep fan, if you're just a fan, if you're a fan and you've seen <laughs> and you know a little bit about the history and um, you've kept up with some of the extended universe stuff of Blair Witch, you're going to enjoy it. And it's nice to see the actors not take themselves so seriously. And yeah. yes, it's sad that this project kind of, ruined their lives a little bit or at least some of their lives but for them to you know come back and be like all right let's just acknowledge the elephant in our room yeah and kind of make this really funny lighthearted thing it's weird it's also just really weird and meta and it's kind of like a nice look at like how studios and stuff will just fuck you over i like that they don't acknowledge the second the sequel the actual sequel to blair witch yeah and, you know, actually watching this gives you the insight into, you know, it's what they're making here is not that far off from what they made in the original. No, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like it would only take how a few different to adjustments to, yeah, to, to make, to how they made that film yeah. and, and how it could have been bad as well. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think having it in that, whether it's deliberate or not, how it is on YouTube, but in that real lo-fi kind of feel reflects back to the first film as well mm. yeah and uh, that that's an interesting insight of just like how easily you can with the same tools and the kind of same setup just shift the tone slightly and make something that's either funny or just really bad or you know you have the magic of what the Blair Witch Project was mm-hmm. I mean and it just must have been so much fun for them like it actually makes me like the first film more 
in a weird way just because I feel like I know them a bit better from watching this, you yeah. know, like their sense of humor. And yet yeah. again, like you were saying, they're able to take the piss out of themselves. But I mean, like the views, okay, episode one here, and you're going to get a drop off from episode one. Under 5,000 people have watched that. That's what it's here. That's the top on there. Wow. Like on their, on their official one. Maybe people watched it through some other place that I haven't found, but under 5,000, 2,000 for episode two, and it drops and drops and drops until you get to... 888 views on episode 13. Like, it just keeps dropping. That's which insane. Is really weird. So this is a real Blair Witch deep cut. Yeah, which is strange because it's right there on our newbies. But yeah, there you go. <laughs> the Foregone is a fear. Subscribe to us, do all the things, whatever. Just kind of been a weird free bonus episode. You're all free. She could have been an alien. You never know. <laughs> could have been. Boy, has this set you up really well for the next film. For the next Kevin. one. Similar no parody. Lots yeah. of jokes. You'll love it. Can't we'll wait. We'll be back next Friday to talk about Blair Witch 2016. It is a direct sequel to the original film. That's all I'm going to tell you. Evan. And it was quite a surprise. Um, I remember when that trailer dropped. It was. We'll get into did that. You see, did, did it drop when we went to a movie together? Well, no. There wasn't. We'll get to it next week. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I feel like the first time I saw it was either with you or you told like. I, think, I remember getting the surprise of like, oh my god! Well, yeah, because well, yeah, we'll get to it next week. There's some there's some back history on it. Until then, we are out, geeks, geeks, geeks. <laughs>